Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sundays You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Hello, everyone. We're starting off in a bit of a sombre mood on this week's podcast. And we were going to be talking about Boris, human Boris, not dog Boris. But neither of which of them behave themselves. No. But the front page of the Daily Mail this morning made me cry. And it was a picture of the two fathers and it said united in grief. And it was taken at the vigil last night in Nottingham of the fathers of the two students who were murdered. And also that the caretaker was yeah. murdered. And I think his family were at the vigil as well. And all the students were crying. But it's so tragic when a young person is murdered like that because you just think of all the things they're going to miss. When you think about it, I mean, it is horrific, but these kids were going to start their life, their careers, you know, hopefully meet someone to love. This man was not long to retire. He was going to start a new life. It was both very symbolic. Both of them were about to start a new life. Yeah. Everybody. He, you know, he worked all his life. He was apparently a lovely man and, and he's not going to get to enjoy his retirement. They're not going to get to meet someone and fall in no, love. And no. it's, it's awful. It's and, horrific. You know, even if they were hopeless teenagers, you would still be grieving because people can be late starters. I was a hopeless teenager. But the young woman, she was a medical student. Yeah. He was a, an athlete. He was going to be a sportsman. And how awful for them the day before if they thought, my God, me smiling is going to freak me on the front page of all the papers tomorrow. You just don't know what's going to happen, do you? No, I mean, you you couldn't possibly predict that. And, and it's just, honestly, it's so cruel. Sometimes I look at, like, the world and just think it's just, so cruel why but i don't know this just really upset me and i'm sure it's upset everyone these beautiful people (sighs) but all of this has reminded me of a piece i did in june 2018 for you magazine and it was really moving and doing this piece because it was about how animals can help us through grief and therapy dogs not just silly ones like therapy turkeys that someone took on a plane there's nothing wrong with this therapy turkey i love turkeys (laughs) i've got my esd dog my esd beagle emotional support dog so this whole piece was about sort of therapy dogs and everything and it was about particularly how young people can be helped by animals. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of students, not just in Nottingham, but everywhere, are probably feeling incredibly vulnerable and incredibly upset. So it's really how animals can help young people. And so um, the piece begins with the afternoon of the 14th of February, 2018. Marnie Bellavia was in her office at the Humane Society in Florida. 
I've done stories with the Humane Society of the United States, yeah. Yeah, you have. Anyway, she runs a sanctuary of between 80 and 100 unwanted animals, mainly dogs, but also rabbits, cats, guinea pigs. So I interviewed Marnie and she said, I turned on the TV news and saw there'd been a shooting at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School 45 minutes away. There were reports that many children and adults had been killed. The final death toll turned out to be 17. My immediate response was, how do we get our dogs in there? Marnie's worked at the centre for 25 years and runs the Assisted Animals Programme. Healthy rescue dogs with with the right temperament are trained by Marnie and her team to become therapy dogs, and they're taken into the community when they're needed. They give comfort in hospitals, they reduce anxious outbursts in those with Alzheimer's, and they go into schools where they're a big hit. The children read to the dogs, boosting their confidence, knowing they will not be judged if they stumble, hesitate, get a word wrong, says Marnie. As soon as Marnie heard the news of the school shooting, she called the Board of Governors. They said... How soon can you get here? So she set off in a van with her own therapy dog, Karma, a mini Australian shepherd, 20 rescue dogs and 20 staff members. The high school itself, where the murders had taken place, was on lockdown. So they set up in an elementary school next door. We had children who'd hidden beneath desks, children who had been evacuated in that scary, horrific way, hands on the shoulders and the one in front. We had children who had siblings inside, cousins, neighbours. As soon as the children saw the dogs, they gravitated towards them, says Marnie. It was a great way to take them out of the situation. I didn't have to say, are you okay? It was just, hello, here's my dog. Do you want to come and snuggle? The dogs climbed. I just get so upset reading these things. I'm getting choked up about this. Dogs are amazing. Dogs are amazing. The dogs climbed onto their little laps and lay there for hours, letting them cry into their fur. There are no breed restrictions for therapy dogs. As long as the dog has a suitable temperament and is able to tolerate whatever situations we put them in, they qualify. The dogs that were rushed to help with the shooting of children are extra special as they've undergone exposure training. This is using desensitisation techniques to enable them to take part in trauma. They're trying to focus on someone who needs them and are able to adapt and cope with critical emotional stress. The dog won't get upset if the child's wailing, for example. Yeah, because that's really important, isn't it? Because I'm really aware with my animals not to project onto them. So that's really important that they are properly trained for it. So Marnie went on, we had kids who were literally crying over the dogs. We had kids who wouldn't speak. They just wanted the dog to lie down with them. (sighs) We worked with grief counsellors, psychologists, and the dogs bridged the gap because the kids didn't really want to talk. There were other victims too. I stopped to talk to some of the police officers who were first on the scene. It was like a brick in the face. Who's supporting the fire service? Who's supporting the policeman? Upon seeing the motley collection of mutts, the faces of hardened police officers, call operators, paramedics, nurses softened. They would bend down, fuss the dog, smile, heart rates would slow. It was incredible. But how did the dogs cope with spending so much time with grief? They're very sensitive to what's happening and they can, to some degree, separate. They understand it's their job to be strong. 
In the first week after the shooting, we were doing 24-hour days, but we gave the dogs breaks for snacks and a little play with the ball. They worked two days on, two days off, two days on, two days off, because dogs will push themselves way beyond any human. It was amazing to see how when a dog walked over to a child, they would start chatting to the dog about how their best friend was shot. Wow. The dog is helping them deal with pain. It's amazing to watch the dogs at work, said Marnie. When Karma, which is our own dog, and I walked into the classroom the day after the shooting, I set off in one direction and Karma looked up at me and nudged my hand with a look that said, I think we need to go over to that child. I said, OK, go find. And it found a sobbing child in a corner. The dog just knew where the sobbing wow. child was. So that's interesting. So actually the dogs are They know to who's find got worse. Who's worse. Wow. And, you know, from that amazing book about dogs, What It's Like to Be a Dog by Gregory Burns, he said they instinctively know because they were the first animal to live with humans. So they've had thousands of years co-evolving to live together. Mm. Do you you see what I mean? So the children and the families of the victims of the Florida school shooting became so bonded, the dogs were invited to each and every funeral. And then the last thing Marnie said to me, our dogs have been back in that school every single day since it happened, every single day. That's amazing. And they went to every funeral. That's amazing. And I'm sure the kids really needed that. Yeah. I'm sure they really appreciated having that continuity. It's not just, is it, just going yeah. in as an emergency. There's continuity with it. It's amazing, isn't it, all these things that go on that we don't know about. You know, we don't know about these Well, you see, the thing about these huge murders, because it was a murder, it wasn't an accident, the school shooting, it's very easy to forget about them. Yeah. Are we going to still be talking about the Nottingham children? Because they were children yeah, in two years' time. But yeah. we cannot forget about them, you know. And I don't think um, what it brought up to me was the feelings of when there was a Manchester Arena bombing. And again, that was so awful because young people who'd gone to see Ariana Grande um, in 2017, they wanted a nice time and they were targeted. Yeah. That is actually the pure definition of evil, isn't it? I mean, it really is evil. Yeah. I mean, people say, oh, I don't believe people are born evil or inherently evil and... I do think some people have just got black souls. I really do. That some people are just evil. I do. So I was obviously keen to go and talk to people after Manchester Arena. And I went to see someone called Erin, Erin McNeil, at her house. And when I did the interview in 2017, she was 12, so she's a lot older now. And she impressed them. And she went to see Ariana Grande on the 22nd of May. She walked through the area where the bomb exploded and she remains unable to this day to speak about what she saw, even to her mum, Annette, dad, Mal, sister Kathleen, who's 14. She has been able to confide in one person, Ruby, the family's three-year-old Springer Spaniel Collie. She's just a baby, isn't she, at 12? 
So she told me, cuddling Ruby calms me down. She makes me feel brave because I'm not on my own. She's so sensitive. She always knows when I'm anxious. After Manchester Arena, I would often wake in the middle of the night and I'd struggle to get back to sleep. While Ruby has always preferred her own bed, after the bombing, she would curl up next to me on the bed. This is if she's trying to help me get back to sleep. Ruby has helped me feel normal again. We often talk about rescuing pets, but I found the reverse is true. There is more to an animal than just allowing us to stroke them in order to lower our heart rates. But it's important not to lean too heavily on our animal companions. And you, you remember Marnie. Yeah. The dogs did get days off. Yeah, yeah. And the dogs did want to go back. And these were highly trained dogs. And they're trained. They're and they just, have the right yeah, temperament. Yeah. But it's funny, because I was so moved by meeting Marnie and also by meeting Ruby, Ruby and I met Erin and I met her mum. I wanted Minnie to be a therapy dog because she's the, got the best Perfect. temperament, hasn't she? Perfect she's so sweet and I was willing to there's – a, there's a charity that trains them to be therapy dogs. And I took her along to a hospice not that far from here. And I'm sure all the lovely old people were just sitting in their chairs doing nothing. They'd have loved to meet Minnie. But I was told, no, no, no we can't take on any more admin and you know she needs to be properly trained and she might pour someone and break their skin and they didn't want me so I volunteered with Minnie and they didn't want me Minnie is the most gentle sweet dog isn't yeah. she but yeah I think it's it it, it is got to be I think they do have to be trained because like I say you could put your paw up for attention and breaks break an elderly person's skin it's yeah. really difficult isn't it but if, if you're you're there with Minnie, I'd make sure she didn't, she didn't. do that. Yeah, you yeah, know. of course she would. Of course she would. But, yeah, Minnie's missed her vocation, isn't she? Yeah. So for anyone that says it's just a dog, slap. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to do a this morning Holly. But something has been lovely this week, so I'm going to be like Holly. We're going to switch tack suddenly. Switch tack. So one minute, you know, they're on the sofa talking about murder, and the next minute, let's make a tray bake. So I'm now going to be talking about Vogue. Vogue, come on, Vogue. Would you to the music? Vogue, Vogue. The editor, Edward, has been shunted upstairs. They're trying to paint it as something very positive. But to me, although he's done amazing inventive covers, like Key Workers on the cover, a Braille edition, a young lady with Down syndrome on the cover... The writing hasn't been very good, I don't think. Some of the paragraphs, they're not even grammatical. The writing has really, really, really gone down, so he's out. I doubt they'll offer it to me. do you think, or or do you think he went willingly? I don't know. I think he'd probably be able to earn lots of money as a stylist, whereas when I was booted out of Marie Claire, I I didn't earn any money. The first year after I was sat from Marie Claire, having worked at Sunday Times for 11 years, edited a major magazine, Launch Style, I earned £27,000. That's really rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. That's really rubbish. I had to claw my way up. And I had a very fat husband who ate a lot. Yeah. Ready meals. More on the husband another time. Yes. (laughs) But what has been great, it's not his last cover because he's not going till next year, he has put Miriam Margolias on the cover of the next issue of Vogue. I bloody love her. And there's a picture of her topless. 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 Yeah, with a cake. 
on each nipple. She's such a game bird, isn't she, Miriam? And she's in her 80s. Oh, I love her. She's, she's, I mean, have you read any of her books? Well, I haven't really, no, but Hilarious. I've seen her on telly a lot and I loved her when she was on with Puff Daddy or, no, I loved her when she was on Graham Norton with Will I Am. And her and Will I Am got on like a house on fire. They were like best friends. No, I, I absolutely bloody love her. But her books are very funny. Her books are uh, and interesting. They're really worth reading. But how fantastic to put a woman in her 80s, almost topless, very o- overweight. She's very flatulent as well. On the cover. Good job it's not Scratch and Sniff. Do you remember Scratch and Sniff I do covers? remember. I do remember. Oh, your little perfume scratch and snit. I used to love those. They put her on the cover of Vogue. So we're not friends, Edward. You've never put me in Vogue. I remember before he was editor and I was engaged to David One, I suggested to the features editor they do me trying to find my wedding dress. How to find a wedding dress over 50, just like Sex and the City, you see, Carrie. You're going to be over 40, Carrie. You are going to be the over yeah. 40. I'm probably going to be over 100. And she said, no, you're too old. We've done too many weddings. But that's the point, isn't it? That's they wouldn't the have point. me in. They wouldn't have me in. So maybe when I'm 80, oh. I'll put on some weight. They'll put me on the cover. With a cake. So what are your topics this week, Nicola? My topics? Well, firstly, I want to thank lots of people that emailed me. They emailed me. Because you put in about uh, me not being well in your column. I got loads and loads of emails. I got about 40 emails, which for me was a lot. I was very pleased. And I just wanted to thank Diane, Pete, Pat, Lucy, Angela, Sharon, Adam, Tammy, Charlie and Steph and Rose and anybody that, like, emailed me. That was really, really nice. Did any of your authors who you keep going on about that perhaps should employ you, like Bryony... Did she email you? She didn't email me. Did Adam Kay email you? Nor did Darren Brown. Adam Kay? No, Adam Kay didn't email me. No. But when Gracie died, I got an email from a movie star and I got an email from a rock star. No, no. But I did get an email from a lady called Debbie who was very kind and she emailed me and offered me an an oracle reading. She's she's an oracle card reader. Oh, for God's sake. No, she was, and do you know what? I had it, I accepted it because I, I thought, what a lovely offer. Yes, please. And she was absolutely brilliant. You should have a reading with her. She was absolutely brilliant. Is Oracle the same as Tarot? Well, it's all, it, it's similar. I mean, Tarot's a system, Oracle are more free flowing, but she was absolutely brilliant. She got loads of stuff about my health issues, about my private life. And obviously, I know I talk about but my you private know about life. about your health issues. Sorry? You know, but no, she was very surgeons at the NHS are full time on you. No, she was very specific about things that I haven't talked about on the obviously on the podcast and and lots of other things that she picked up that she couldn't possibly know. It was a really good reading, really affirmative. And I wanted to say thank you to Debbie because, like, it was really kind of her. She put a lot of effort in it. And Debbie does do reading, so if anyone would like her number, I really recommend her. And I'm, you know, I've asked her permission to pass her number on. You just, you just become an influencer. No, I. Do you know what? Honestly, because she, she. No, but that's funny that you becoming an is influencer. It an, is it funny? Yeah, because you know, influencers are people like Kim Kardashian. I'm an oracle card influencer. <laughs> I'm an influencer for the spiritual, not for the body. Hey, but how has she thing. helped you in a practical way? She has really helped me in a practical way. So what way. bit of advice have so, you taken on board? Well, 
lots of advice. She she spoke to me a lot about um, what I should be doing, what I should be putting my effort in, where I should be concentrating. So she picked where she picked up things. Is there anything you don't know already? No, there was stuff I didn't know already, and there was stuff that it's it's not even just about stuff you don't know already. It's it's feeling that someone's heard you, even if they've they energetically picked up that you know that you're exhausting you've got pain here and you've got that and you feel validated you feel really heard but she was really proactive with looking how to go forward in a really helpful way and honestly i would really recommend a reading with her. you so for one. my column you you've got a freebie i did get a freebie and it was so a really good freebie i was very grateful for it but right. I, well shall we move on to my column then no we shan't no i haven't finished I haven't finished because I've been watching the new series, Best Interests. I like Michael Sheen, actually. I love Michael Sheen. I'm not that keen on Sharon. She is absolutely fantastic in this. I find her a bit mealy, actually. She did a series. She did something with James McAvoy during lockdown about being in a marriage during lockdown. I I wanted her to just divorce him. And I wanted to marry James McAvoy. I don't like her. She had sex with James McAvoy in that. Did she? Yeah, and I was very, very jealous. Actually, in this... Last night, incredible. I saw Alexander Sarsgaard ejaculate. That's probably a His bit new too much. film shows him ejaculating unless he had a penis double. That is way too much. Way too much. I do think you should watch this, though, because it's really good, because we've been talking about It's called children. Infinity Pool. If you want to see... The real star of Succession. Ejaculate. Ejaculate. Watch Infinity Pool. We I'm, get our pleasures where we can. I'm going to say no to the ejaculation and therefore no to the Infinity Pool. He's very handsome though. I do like a sort of Nordic person. No, Scandinavian. I'll be honest. I, I like Scandinavian that. chairs. Scandinavian movie stars. I don't do bodily fluids so I'm just not interested in bodily fluids. Anyway, back to best interests. Sharon Hogan is actually really, really good is in it. She, is she She's annoying? really good in it. She's not annoying at all. It's basically about a couple who've got this lovely, bright, funny daughter, but with a life-limiting condition. And she develops some complications. So she's in hospital and she has seizures. And, and the medical team are... Uh, saying that it's time now to withdraw care, to take take her off the ventilation. She's got no quality of life. She suffers brain damage because of a seizure. It's 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 horrific. It's absolutely devastating. But there's sort of a flashback to the daughter when but, she's well, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, they do it really, really well because obviously although we see the current situation and the daughter in hospital and the discussion about taking her off of support and not not pursuing her getting well... They have these flashbacks and they're, they're beautiful. They're like her first date. She goes on a date with, with a young boy and they go to the cinema and all the getting ready and the family time. So it's done so well because obviously I can only imagine, because I'm, I'm not in that situation, that having any anyone sick in your family, but let alone a, a child that you know has got a, a limited lifespan, you've got to find the joy where you can and and they they portrayed this really well like it's not all just tubes and medication it's fun and laughter and making the best of, of you know and having a wonderful relationship and they they did that really well and i found it just so touching 
And actually the program is called Best Interest because that's the name of the meeting that you have. It's it's a discussion about what the yeah. best interests are for the patient. So it's not depressing? It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. But these little flashes of joy from, you know, the different experience she's had are lovely. And it's real. I mean, obviously we can't know what it's like to be in that situation ever, but choosing life or death over someone it's a big decision isn't it you you're terrified you're going to make the wrong decision even you know well, we've got animals yeah i mean we both had it with animals but i did yes. have i did have it with my parents really and i remember when my dad was dying and he had cancer and he was in his 80s they gave him a lot of morphine and they did withdraw water and food and it was called the Liverpool method or something. Right. I don't think they do it anymore. And I remember keep saying to them, but you can't let him starve. You can't let him starve. You can't let him starve. But they did, they let him starve. Yeah. And then my mum, which, who died later, she was ill for so many years and she wasn't aware of anything and it was so undignified. Um, we couldn't kill her off. I mean, she no. just kept going. She kept going. Her heart kept Bless beating. Them. And you wanted them to withdraw water and stuff. But at that time, this policy had changed and they were giving her water. So I don't know what the right answer is, really. And, and I think that's what's so... It's called the Liverpool pathway, I think. Yeah. And I, I think this is what's so well done in this in this programme because it's not all depressing because you've got... You've, you've not got this idea of like a disabled child. She's got no quality. She's had a quality life. She's had a fantastic, you know, family. She's loved and been loved. She's had experiences. And I think it leads to a question of when is the right time? Because I'm sure there comes a time. And I know I certainly have felt with, with my animals and people will probably get quite upset about me comparing my animals, but I don't have children. I can speak about my experience and, my animals are my children, and it's a, it's completely different. I'm not trying to draw a parallel in any way, but I know trying to figure out when the right time was to let go of someone you love is horrific because it's irreversible. You can't change it. It's irreversible. No. And it's always come down to what is the quality of life over, quant- you know, quantity of years. What is the quality of life? And that is... The most important thing, and I think in this it's shown so well with with her mum particularly. She loves her so much. She doesn't want to give up on her. She's looking for that miracle, and I've done, I've done that with 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 Charlie. I'm waiting for the miracle. I want the miracle. There's gonna be a way. She's pulled through before. You know, she's turned it around before. She'll think she'll do it this time, and you can see how everything finished. Or it's still going no, it was on. two episodes that was on this week, which you'll be able to catch on BBC One. And I think what comes across on this so beautifully is although everyone is at loggerheads and it's awful to see the family torn apart in that way, you know, it, they've stood by her together all these years, all her life, and now the cracks are showing at this point in the series and, and, and they're, they're starting to disagree. But you can see everybody has their best interests at heart. You can see the doctors. The, the, the doctor that's in this is beautiful. She comes in, she chats to her, even though she can't. You might not be able to hear her. You can see the empathy and the compassion and how difficult it is for her. And this just desperation from her mum particularly to make it all all right, to save her daughter. And it... it is it's so well done it's heartbreaking but it's so well done i'll definitely say watch it 
Well, when I finish with the Do Norwegian it. sex god. When you finish with ejaculation, where watch something with a bit it's of a horror as well, that film. Yeah, but I like horrors. Yeah, but, but you've got him doing that at the beginning. I'm pretty sure. Even with his wife. It's put me off. It's put me off. You can read this week's diary in full in Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Anyway, on a lighter note, I'm, I'm Holly now. On a lighter note. This week's column, I make an indecent proposal. Oh, dear God. Do you want to cover your eyes and, your eyes and ears and Minnie's eyes and I'm, ears? I'm starting to quake. I've just texted David number one inadvisedly. It's always inadvisedly, Liz. It's always, every time. Hi. Hope you're well. See, I'm still in pandemic mode. See, right. during the pandemic, you say, hello, are you alive? Oh, <laughs> That's what people have started saying to me nowadays. Do you want to have phone sex? Where, where where's the foreplay? What are you what are you an Essex? You boy? can't have it on probably Alexandra Skarsgård or whatever his name you is. Could be a, you it's could the be a Norwegian god. Flirty first. What not well, one point zero is not a Norwegian god. The reason I've gone completely insane. Yes. I'm yes. deaf after all, so we will have to talk dirty very, very loudly. Hey? What? God. You want what? You're doing what? Hey? Hey? It's not because it's a bank holiday weekend, which means I face three long days alone. You don't see hide nor hair of Nicola. Not speaking to a soul apart from Minnie Puppy, but because I think I upset him. I told him I have to go to Switzerland for three nights for work, and he replied, can you bring back a brochure for Dignitas? (laughs) (laughs) I've got to be honest, at least he's got a sense of (laughs) humour. I went cold despite the hot sun. Are you joking? You shouldn't joke about such things. Him will maybe bring a Toblerone. So you never know when he's serious or not. Has that, I don't even understand that. Has that got some sort of connotations that I don't get a Toblerone? Well, you get a Toblerone at the airport, don't you? Do you? And it's Switzerland. It's some. It's got mountains. How could you not understand that? I didn't get it. No, I didn't get it. <sighs> so I replied, no, I'm not getting you a Toblerone, not with your teeth, which is mean, as he's very self-conscious. And so, the invitation to phone sex. My heart is in my mouth, nothing else, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. He's not Alexander Sarsgaard, is he? I literally... Alexander Sarsgaard, whatever his name is, is a new Morton Harkett. I want to bleach my head, like my brain, my ears, everything. I just want to bleach it all away. There's no way in hell we're doing this on Zoom. I have a ring light. He doesn't. I've got my ring light to make me look good, haven't I? I don't know if it worked from that angle. Men operate under the impression we're not visually stimulated. We are. It will be a dry run for when we go to Sicily. Dry run. Boom, boom. <laughs> so I've got this last asterisk there saying hopefully not. <laughs> I press send. Yikes. I spent my life pressing send and then waiting under the desk waiting for the fallout. Perhaps he's watching the Monaco Grand Prix. And then I get this. Wow, that's a shocker. I never thought I'd say no to sex with you, but I'm a bit nervous. I want to be in the same room as you. I'm sure we could in the future, but after we've been together first. But we have been together already. I was going to say, has he got amnesia as well? How would it work anyway? 
<laughs> you see, I'm always being... That's another rejection. I've been rejected for phone sex. If you don't know how it works by now, oh, you're on a high to heaven. Bloody bastard. He joins a string of rejections. The man in the health food shop on the old street roundabout. He took a peanut butter mountain before he finally refused to go to the cinema with me. The personal trainer at the gym in Highbury. I'm still paying the monthly subscription. The chef who works in Spitalfields. I used to make my little friend Robina go with me every lunchtime in Wapping to have, so that I could look at him. I used to get lunch hours. The art director of one magazine. I became an editor so I could offer him a job. The Italian photographer. <gasps> Derek. Oh. He doesn't sound very Italian. He was Italian. You know, he was. D-E-R-R-I-C-K. I've just outed him. That sounds the same. That's the same as the Yorkshire bloke at the vets. I gave him wonderful cover shoot assignments. <laughs> I found out by stalking him on Facebook he had a baby with someone else. Osama Bin Laden. I made him my music critic so that he would go out with me. Nigel, who got a new puppy with someone else. The young French student called Laurent. I made him my intern at Marie Claire because he was so handsome. Laurent. Ça va? Ça va, va? I'm turning into Philip Schofield. I am both Holly and Philip in one body. You're sounding a bit lecherous, I've got to be honest. Anyway, he then sends another text, David one. I do have something planned for our next encounter. Me, fed up. What? A picnic? No. This is definitely an indoor activity. Me. It'd better not be rubbish. (laughs) No pressure. Him, I regret saying anything now. Oh, God. You see, we're even having a virtual argument. Yeah, but to be fair, the poor man said he's planning something and you're like, better not straight be rubbish. away, better not be rubbish. It's not, it's not Alexander Shaw's God, God, God. I mean, if I liked him, I would is. feel sorry for him. <sighs> anyway, if you want to watch that film, I'll send you a personal message giving you a link. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Now, I've had a letter from Anne, and she's the incredible mother of Jenny. And we've written and talked about Jenny before. We have. It was that auction, wasn't there, for Jenny? We did an auction. And Jenny is unable to move in a bed. And even though Jenny is unable to move in a bed, she still writes poetry. Yeah. And her mum is still empathetic to other people. Yeah. So Anne wrote to me, she said, I've just read your column about being at boiling point last week. It's very comforting to know others go through aggro. Mine is to do with the garage supposed to be mending my car and the scaffolding chap who's having a hissy fit over Jenny needing quiet. Men are awful. Anyway, she said, I had to Google the meaning of NFI. That was me last week. I said, I'm NFI. (laughs) And she came up with National Fraud Initiative. Okay. 
She said, you're doing amazingly well. You're an inspiration. Well done. And that's someone who's caring for her daughter. Yeah. And she just lost her husband. And then I last week in the Daily Mail, I did a piece about having my aura read. You did? And it was in a street called Broadway Market. It was just off London Fields. So I go in a taxi to London Fields, having travelled 255 miles, and I get to London Fields on a Friday evening, and there's all these young people enjoying themselves and having a life and sitting having a picnic and I used to live just off there and when I lived there it was a shithole but now it's really nice I should have stayed should have stayed so one of my moans recently was I bought my house just off London Fields for 325,000 it's now worth 1.9 million that's going you, to hurt. But I nearly put a brick through the window that's literally I did. going to I nearly hurt. I'm, right, I'm going to devalue you Anyway, I had to have my aura done. And the young woman who did it, I didn't put it in the piece, but I said, how long have you been doing this? She said, a year. You can't be an expert for a top journalist when you've been doing something for a year. No, they didn't just, you're just, through, you're an they? amateur. I didn't think it through. They didn't. And especially with you. And especially me, the, I'm the expert. <laughs> I feel sorry for her. Anyway, Linda emailed me and she said, you're so right to question the validity of the wellness industry. The facile assessment of your aura was conducted by someone who knows bugger all. Aura photography was discovered in 1898 in Russia and pioneered by Semyon Kurlian in 1939. We should have got Linda to do the piece. Should have got Linda to do the piece. I got interested in auras (laughs) when I saw a picture of the energy projected by a healing cross, venerated by pilgrims. I had an aura photo done about 30 years ago, which sadly I've lost. But I can tell you, with the little information I gleaned from looking at your photo, your grief for Gracie was there in plain sight. See, I'd lost Gracie the day before. I still travelled 500 miles to do a piece, but she didn't see the grief in my aura. Well, that was what I said to you, wasn't it? Why why hasn't she She didn't mention it. She didn't know. And obviously, she didn't know I'd just lost Gracie. The orange and brown in your aura are indicative of the struggles you're facing rather than the waffle you received. And the red in Claudia Connell's aura, she was the other person who did it, shows arrogance and anger, not charisma. (laughs) Sorry, Claudia. (laughs) Just reading the letter. I'll be be honest, when I read, you know, sort of your report, I was quite surprised. I mean, obviously, you've just been through a huge trauma. You're currently going through some other traumas that we're not talking about. And... I expect that. So when I had my aura picture, it was a completely different. It was a completely different experience to yours. I got loads of information because she, she didn't tell me anything. Well, she kept saying it's open to your interpretation, isn't it? It's it's it's, it's open for you to to what take what resonates. Yeah, and she said it's just a snapshot, and she said people come and have their aura done on their birthdays yeah. or once a year to see where they are. I said, oh, it's, what, oh, what a waste of money. And the thing that annoyed me the most, and I should have put a brute through their window as well, was when I left, <laughs> they tried to sell me a candle and it was £80. £80 for a candle and it wasn't even diptyque. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.